PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Take that, and then and then four different intros ran through my head at the exact same time, and, and they you all picked they, the wrong one. Not even they all just like got stopped in the doorway, like shoulder to shoulder, like the the four Stooges: Mo, Larry, Curly, and Curly Joe. I thought it was Shemp. I'm not the biggest Shemp fan. Nobody is. Yeah, he's like um, he's like Mo, but dumber or or greasier. I don't know what's going on with with Shemp. He's fine, but give me that yuck yuck. Oh, oh yeah, it's all about the yuck yuck. It's all about the yuck yucks. Is that the name of the episode already? <laughs> um, guys, we're doing episode 440 of Cinema Crespity, so how are you doing? I'm Chris Crespo, that's Drusa Cogman. Drewster, how are you? Doing. Alright, that's good to hear. Uh, we got a full episode. I got. Uh, I saw The Conjuring after we recorded last week, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be talking about that. Also got a review of In the Heights, mm. uh, and then a uh, whole bunch of stuff for Media Diet, plus a lot of so many news stories. Oh my god, it's it's kind of ridiculous how much. Uh, it's almost like things weren't doing. Nothing was happening for last year, and all of a sudden things are happening again. But that's exactly what happened. Actually, well, wait, really? <coughs> I need a drink. That's a little intense. Yeah. Uh huh. That's intense. <clears throat> well, we got a super packed show. I'm gonna try to do my best to get it all to you in 90 minutes. Uh, but first at the top, I do want to say this. Uh, you know, I feel weird not doing it, I guess. But Chris Fio Veranti, Chris Fio from the PFT, fellow PFT media show, passed away this week uh, from a, a traffic accident. Bicycle versus car. Not, not, not a good look. No, bicycle loses every time. So that sucks. Chris was a super nice dude. Nothing bad to say about him anyway. Uh, and, you know, I was like... I just worked with him on a show and I edited a show and stuff and that's the nature of our relationship but it just it sucks because uh, you know life is fragile mm-hmm. and random and then it could just be gone yes right and we're gonna waste some of it right now <laughs> and, and talk about movies and, and shit and you're <clears throat> gonna waste 90 minutes of it listening to us yes um, well no see uh, that's the thing though then is it a waste technically it's all a waste yeah but in the meantime the next 90 minutes could bring some solace to people maybe they're having a bad time I've done that you know I've, people have done it with other things but I've uh, found myself retro, retroact like I mean, looking back on it like oh I was definitely going through a hard time and leaning on listening to certain shows and comedy and things like that just because Oh, everything sucks. In the grand scheme, it doesn't matter. In the grand scheme, in the long, in the long enough timeline, everyone's survival rate drops to zero. Well, uh, everything's survival rate drops to zero. And, uh, you know, what's, what, what's going to be first? Is it going to be the sun exploding? Is it going to be universal Perhaps. heat death? Is it going to be, uh, now scientists are pausing, the, uh, I suppose, the opposite of the Big Bang. If things start with the Big Bang, how's it going to end? The Great Rip. Cool. Which is when the universe 
expands so exponentially so quickly that just every piece of the universe on a you know pure particular molecular level just shreds apart fun and then i guess it's just like what was there before the big bang i guess it's like life and death oblivion so, so, I can't, I can't take it. Not too stressed these days. Not, it has not been a you good week. You can't take the infinite blackness. No, because it's so calming I, I, and empty I, I, I and just I, done. I don't know why it fills me. It fills me with such dread. See, I wish it, I wish I could look at it and be like, yes, yes, yes. I wish I could greet it with Calmness, open arms. Silence. You greet it with open arms. Yeah, I'm running. I'm running away from it. <laughs> I'm running away from it. Yeah. That's, but it's all about the nyuk nyuks, you know. And it, the nyuk nyuks aren't in the inky blackness; they're in the, well, the, well, in, in yeah, the possibility yeah. of existence. Yes, they are. They're 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 in the ink. everything <laughs> goes back to the inky blackness. But then, it, but then it's nothing. And everything. But how can everything be nothing if if nothing is everything? Ha! If we're just <laughs> so, if we're just borrowed yes. elements of our environment, correct? That, ha- which, that which happen then, to be mishmashed together and. Somehow we are biological robots because we run on electricity. We're on electricity. We're, so, we're meat sacks. We're on electricity. Uh, so why are we without then, electricity? We we just turn into meat sacks. So then when electricity shuts off and all those elements return back to to the nature because matter cannot yeah. be destroyed. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. So then there's got to be around. some sort of transference. What's going on? Is there? <laughs> I mean, if there if there is, it brings us to somewhere where we cannot make contact with this world again. Because I mean. You know, well, that's depending on who you ask. Now, I mean, I'm sure people I've are seen, trying. I've seen TikTok videos of things moving in the background inexplicably, like doors opening, and closing. There's no way you can fake that in a TikTok video, of with fishing line or anything like that. No, there, wait, there's impossible. no way video could be edited. <laughs> there's no way, no way. <laughs> what are we talking? Oh, wait, we seriously don't have time to be dicking around. So, uh, do you have time to be cocking around? Yes, all day. Or penising around. Hmm. Limited time for penising. Okay. Limited penis time. No time for dicking. But cocking. Also, oh, it's time for cocking. Never, never stop the cocking. Okay. Don't stop the cock. Is that a? <laughs> don't stop. Anyway, uh, the Conjuring: Colon, the Devil Made Me Do It. Speaking mm-hmm. of infinite blackness and ghosts and being touched from the other side, etc., no, etc. No. If it's infinite blackness, you can't be touched by the other side because there is no other side. Well, then apparently, according to the Conjuring, the the, the, then if the devil is uh, made you do it, then how can that? There's no devil. Is the devil in the blackness? Well, I can mean, the devil die and sink into the blackness? I mean, uh, ooh, not think about that one. Yeah. Did but, the devil ever exist? Is, wasn't that his trick? Wasn't that the trick? That's not what Kevin Spacey taught us. If Kevin Spacey taught us anything, it has something to do with the devil, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. Okay. So, uh, The Conjuring, colon, the devil made me do it. I for sure saw the first one in theaters based on it getting really good reviews and being compared to The Exorcist in a positive way and the movie being a straight-up, like, homaging The Exorcist in many ways, which includes, like, opening title sequences and... Uh, shot homages you know lifting things like that i don't believe i saw the second one okay because the reviews just weren't that great mm-hmm. and it's not my genre anyway yeah uh third one comes out it's on hbo now it's way lower stakes about you know, okay let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put this thing on and see what's up with the conjuring so lower expectations for me you know that's what i'm how i'm coming into watching it and i gotta say i thought it was all right it's fine you know it's uh it's got good tension in atmosphere, but it's not really spooky or scary. And it even seems a little light on the jump scares, which I guess I sort of appreciate. Based on a true story 
of the first person in America to go with the old... To claim the devil may be doing. Yeah, but like in a court of law. Like, what's your defense? Not guilty by demonic possession or whatever the official thing was, you know? Um, And then that these Warren people are... What what are your names? Someone and Ed Warren, they're... uh, how real, you, real people who claimed all this stuff. How do you prove in a court of law that the devil exists? Ah, yeah. How do you <laughs> right? How do you prove that, or that it possesses you, or even if it exists, I can prove that. Then, the, now you prove that it exists. Now prove to me that this thing that existed possessed you and made you do these things. Not yeah. that there's a second step. Come on, this is tiring. I'm guilty. <laughs> I was about to say please, guilty. Please, <laughs> please bargain. Come on. Uh, yeah, we're not. We're not doing this, guys. Guilty. Give me mm. uh give me eight to twelve guys with uh, <laughs> with parole. Come please. The devil did it. Um, so part of it is in a courtroom, but a very small part. And I remember reading, this is another thing that, you know, I like having something to hold on to when I go into a movie so that maybe I'm lacking interest in, where I read James Wan as a producer and whoever the director was, were like, we uh, sort of wanted to do a, a seven version of a Conjuring movie. Like, whereas the first movie was more like The Exorcist, this would be more like a David Fincher 90s uh, uh investigative serial killer hunting thriller type thing and it does sort of have that feel to it um you know it's other giant bloated corpses that have been force fed for days i mean there's no not that specifically (laughs) but there is some like gnarly imagery for sure uh, a couple times here and there uh but it's um it's fine it's fine i think if you're a fan of these movies you might be into them already uh like this one will just be like not only this because it's also what's the whole the whole Conjuring verse. It's this. It's the Nun. It's the Annabelle movies. They made like two or three of those. There's, um, I think that's all of them. So that's three. There's like six or seven of these movies, technically, which is wild. Uh, so if you're into these, I think this one just fits right in, r- right in there, right in the middle, nicely with all those other ones. It's not as good as that first one, and it's probably not as. I think the Nun is considered the worst one. And again, I haven't. I didn't see it because I didn't care. But then when you watch The Conjuring, they go into like their room of shit, and in the background there's a painting of the nun, and then over there in the corner is like the doll in a in a case or It's cute. It's cute to get their own horror Easter eggs for the kids. Fun. The opening titling sequence, the credits um, for The Conjuring, and this one, the third one, my favorite parts of both movies. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just they're really good. Really, I like the the taste of because they're both based on this on the '70s style yeah. of of titling. Uh, it works really well in a movie theater. That still work pretty good at home. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing with uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. The the intro credits are oh, yeah. amazing, it, and the rest of the movie is kind of like eh. yeah, exactly. It's so good that it was like we need a whole other department to, <laughs> to handle just these credits. Uh, we need a goo department uh, yeah. that can do this one. Yeah. The movie is as good as it could be based on that book, for sure. It's just, I mean, I guess it's a girl power thing. Why I got so popular at that time. Yeah. Um. So Conjuring Devil made me do it. Yeah, it's essentially it is what it is. Uh, a new movie in the Heights, uh, came out on Disney Plus. Am yeah. I doing this mm-hmm. right? Yes. And it's also in theaters, so you have your choice. Uh, and it's also not the... Oh, no, I think it was HBO. Yeah, it's HBO because Disney would yeah. charge you 30 bucks. Because yeah. that's what they're doing with Black Widow. Yeah. They're charging you 30 bucks for Black Widow. I'm going to see that shit in theaters, so fuck them. Hell yeah, that's July 9th. It's July 9th, right around the corner, actually. That's kind of crazy. Like, the movie was supposed to come out a year ago, man. We're watching shit shot in, like, 2018. Mm-hmm. The shit's so old. Anyway, so, uh, In the Heights, it's... Part of the reason why I watch it at home is because it's a musical and also because it's two hours and 20 minutes. I'm oh! Like, yeah, and I'm like, and man. there's no way I'm ever watching this movie. No, no, you're not watching it. <laughs> Never. No. Never, Drew. 
No, two hours, 20 minutes, and it's musical? Nope. Yeah. Not interested. And it's a full-on... Musical. Musical. Yeah, not interested. Yeah, it's not a stage play. You know, it's not Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or, or uh, what's the other one that... Uh, the Father. You know, it's not that. It's Les Miserables. Uh, we're having a short scene, and then now there's eight minutes of my singing. emotions. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, man, oh, man. So much singing in that. And it's also... So it's Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it's also... Um, Reading, I read how it was written in the early 2000s. You know, the initial one was like 2005, Broadway 2008. So it's also like Broadway safe hip hop mm-hmm. of that time. Okay. So now in 2021, it definitely feels like straight up. I'm just, feels very Broadway. Yeah. Which for some people is going to be amazing. And I think if people like musicals, for the most part, they'll really enjoy this. My parents watch it, my dad. Uh, liked it and my mom really didn't but uh, for my mom it really hit really hit a little closer to home where uh, our family growing up was uh, a Puerto Rican and Brooklyn uh, upbringing and this movie even though it's uh, written by Manuel Miranda who's New York Rican Puerto Rican uh, it's actually the lead character is Dominican and it's set in uh, Washington Heights. They keep saying Washington Heights. It's so annoying. <laughs> and it's set in uh, this part of Manhattan that was more Dominican. It was a little more mm-hmm. mixed. Um, so it was just like, even though it's the same city and it's not that far away, it's a completely different upbringing, different experience. We didn't have that experience. Yeah. So I think my mom was just sort of like, it's not my life, so I don't give a shit. Yeah. Fuck, fuck these people. <laughs> and their stupid, petty problems. Um, I'm just projecting on that. So I watched it. And I will say this for sure um like this other movie i was i watched the bonfire of the vanities this week i'll talk about that too obviously in a minute and that movie is two hours long and uh i was watching movie watching movie and i was like they came to a plot point where i was like this is really late in the book uh how's it popping up so early in the movie and then i pulled up the time code and i was like an hour and 45 minutes into this two-hour movie i was like whoa I had no idea this thing was like it felt like even though I'm not liking it it's flying by it's really weird and then I watch In the Heights where I'm not not liking it but at one point I was like when's this movie gonna fucking end and it had like 40 minutes left I was like dear no not even when did I check in when I checked in I was like this must be because no one was 2 hours and 20 I was like it got to a certain point I was like it must be getting kind of close to the end and then I looked at the time code and it was like an hour a full hour left and I was like what no <laughs> no way what the hell did he still this is oh my god oh my god it's so long um so this one I'm putting on the fine scale but it's my you know it's this is gonna be for me right so I think it's okay in that it's pretty gorgeous to look at I mean from start to finish the whole movie is beautiful uh and then if you're into the dance numbers and stuff it's John Chu, like he broke onto the scene with Step Up 2, Cole in the Streets, and then Step Up 3D. Uh, I think the biggest movie after that was the G.I. Joe sequel. Which was, remember that one? Rise it was of, better Rise than the Cobra. first one. It was better than the first one. Oh, and then um, uh, Crazy Rich Asians made him a ton of money because that was a huge hit. Uh, so he used that to uh, get onto the in, in, on In the Heights. And. Um, I think that was a great choice for for director because it's pretty it's really well done in that regard. And then everyone, all the actors are good. I didn't not like anyone. Jimmy Smith 
is in it as like one of the older characters of this lead dude. Is he a drug dealer? No, fortunately he's not. He's like a t- he's just a business owner who uh, deals drugs on the side. He don't, I mean, listen, <laughs> listen. The government wants to call it whatever they want to call it. Because it's a respectable business. He pays uh, for the health needs of his employee, his quote employees, <laughs> like the runners, the the, the counter, the counters. Uh, no, he owns a taxi dispatch service. Um, Doctor Dre works for him. It was Dr. Dre, right? Corey Hawkins, he played Dr. Dre in yeah. Trailer Compton. So Dr. Dre works for him, so he gets to do a little cheesy rapping. The rapping, the rapping is so cheesy. I just can't get I'm over probably it. Probably safe. Yeah, and it's all, it also sounds the same as uh, Hamilton, so it's all just like Manuel Miranda's yeah. style and it's his voice. So it's cool that his uh, his voice does come through that way, and it's, he does have a recognizable, oh, this is for sure, uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Um but you know what? I think enough time has passed now where unfortunately I can say it's... <laughs> <laughs> not into it? None, none of his stuff is for me. I don't think he's a no. good actor and uh, he's kind of corny and... Uh, I don't... Yeah. I mean, he's fine. And, in the, the, and then he's a musical nerd. So. He's fine in... Uh, oh, what's that? Gold, the Golden Compass show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Uh, Mark Antony pops up for one scene in this two-hour and 20-minute movie. A musical in which he does not sing. What? I know. During the credits. It doesn't make any sense. During the credits that plays and the credits are like just rolling, even, they, he gets to sing a like, song. I hate musicals, but if you have Mark Anthony in your musical and he doesn't sing, what the fuck is wrong Not with even you? like one line of like, get out of my body or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's weird. Um, but even his one scene is like, oh yeah, Mark Anthony has it. He's got a good screen presence. He's good. Uh, this Anthony Ramos guy is fine too, actually. Uh, I wasn't sold on him on the little bit of I saw him in Hamilton, but uh, that's a different thing anyway. Mm-hmm. He's the lead of this, and uh, I thought he was a good, believable actor. And um, uh, yeah, man, it was just so fucking long. And and if they cut out all of the music and all the singing and dancing, and it was just like a ninety-minute movie about these seven characters and in, in a gentrifying section of Manhattan, I would be into it. I would be into the their little because it's like nice vignettes of, of drama and stuff and and people die people get married you know I mean you don't see the weddings and funerals like I want to see the weddings and funerals but sometimes you can't really squeeze those things up. Um, but it's got there's good drama in there but then it's like then they just start singing I think a big thing it's is a musical. it's a musical so I, I was wondering this too Drew uh, this came to me uh, musicals are so like this one you know. In a, especially whatever is uh, very emotional, obviously, because mm-hmm. so you're singing music, about yeah. your emotions, and the music, the music is going to um, match that. You know, so uh, a lot of sadness, happiness, joy, uh, defeat, betrayal, all those things uh, get amplified in a musical, like like operatic style, right? Uh, but we are of that. 90s 80s 90s generation where we grew up it's like uh generation x brought us up and everything has been coded with a level of sarcasm and cynicism, cynicism. and yeah we can't be emotionally vulnerable uh or that openly sentimental well, we, can't, we can be it feels weird it feels weird uh that's yeah, being so sentimental and so uh just open-faced part on your sleeve like that just feels so um it's like oh ooh. yeah uh-huh like I'm, agreed like i'm naked don't like it's not, it's not that I'm naked. Well, yeah, I'm emotionally weird. Naked. It's, yeah, I'm emotionally naked. I don't like it. What's, what's going on here? I need weird. to. I need to. Need to someone crack a joke. Someone make a joke about something, please. Please break the tension. Armor. Yeah. Right. 
So is that it too? Is the musical? They're just looking at the camera, at each other, crying, singing the music, and it's you know big, huge emotions. After two over two hours of that, I was fucking exhausted. I honestly can't imagine seeing that in a theater, because you know where that's the real power of something mm-hmm. like this. Seeing it live—that's another thing. Some of it you could tell was shot. Um, they were singing on set and capturing vocals on set. And then some of it, like there's a big pool sequence where a kid's like sort of Miranda rapping in a pool, but he's all like splashing the water and he, his lips are matching up perfectly. You can't hear any water splashing, you know, uh, yeah, like that's a weird touch to not have any water. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange experience. Yeah. I'll never watch it, Spike. No, I would never. never. There's no way. There's no way, Drew, I could imagine. I was even thinking, could I tell Drew to watch, like, the first? Because, like, they do the thing. It's sort of like La La Land, where the first eight minutes builds up to a a big sequence. And then it's, like, in the heights. I was like, would I even tell Drew to watch those eight minutes just to get a feel for what's going on? And, like, no. No, not even even worth it for for old Drew Sakagwin Mm -mm. over here. No. Mm -mm. It's not my cup of tea. Nope. Nuts happening. Mm -mm. (sighs) Get out of here. So that's it. Anyway, in the heights, it's fine. Whatever. If you like musicals, watch it. I mean, I gotta watch it. It's like I don't have much choice for uh, Puerto Rican y stuff. And then it's not even that Puerto Rican y. The guy Dominican. wants to go back to the Dominican. I mean, there's still Puerto Rican stuff in there, you know. Plenty of Puerto Rican stuff. Someone mentioned it's like Taino genocide. I was like, oh, yeah, that feels good. Let the people know. <laughs> Let them know. It's a quick, quick mention. Um, yeah, I mean, the last mainstream piece of like Puerto Rican y uh, content was uh, uh, Living La Vida Loca. That shit was last century, man. Yeah. I got I got such little options to cling on to. And and Ricky Martin's gay. Oh man, he put on all, <laughs> he put, Yeah, at the time I was like, that sucks that he had to be all closet at the time. Imagine if But uh, even still if, no, if he could do even that, come out now. Even still at that age. like watching the video for Living La Vida Loca. Yeah, it's like is presenting it, it's as like, as straight. Well no, it's like he's being presented as straight and he is a good looking man with a beautiful woman. Yeah. But even <laughs> like just watching the video, like something in my head, I was like, You're, "You weren't feeling." The, uh, I, I was like, "I think he's gay." You weren't feeling it. Uh, <laughs> I, I really do. He really has like had a glow up since he's been able to come out. When was no. that? Maybe ten years ago, I think he. I don't know. He, he came out ten years ago. Someone posted some pictures recently on Facebook. He did a photo spread where he did like glitter beard. He was dressed like in leather chaps and shit. Ooh, uh, like looking like, <laughs> over the top. Whoa! I was like, "Good for you, Ricky Martin." Yeah. I mean, if that's awesome. what you want. No, he's looking great. He's doing awesome these days. Um, and yeah, it sucks that, man, we we lived through that shit where, uh, oh, can't can't let people know that you're gay or else you're not. No one's gonna like you. Middle America's not gonna like your salsa pop, Ricky Martin. Like what the fuck? Middle America's not gonna like a salsa pop anyway. It's Middle America. Middle America. I mean, someone someone bought those CDs. Hey, bought that CD. It was it also had you know what he also had the the um the World Cup song. To, Did he? Yes, the La Copa de Vida. What was that? Ninety eight? Was that the year of France? France V. Remember that one? Zidane headbutted that dude. Oh, I, I remember him. I remember some bald guy headbutting some other guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that year. I think that was like ninety ninety eight, and he had the song. Anyway, that was your Ricky Martin segment. Ricky Martin appreciation segment for a show. Uh, it's called. Uh, we'll call that Menudo. Menudo. <laughs> Okay. He, was, he was a Menudo. You know, no Menudo. Nope. So uh, a Puerto Rican 
a boy band group, but oh, okay. but they go. It's more like the monkeys. Oh, okay, gotcha. they go back to then, yeah. and then they just but then they keep like just restocking them. New new boys. Oh, so new boys. as soon as somebody gets too old, they yeah, get a kick new, them out. Yeah, get yeah. somebody fresh in. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's pretty smart. Yeah, it is. I wonder who the Spanish Lou Pearlman is. I don't know, some, but some, he's making a lot of money just cranking out those <clears throat> those dollars. Um, so like I said, I, I finished reading Bonfire to Vanities, and then I watched a movie. It's Brian De Palma, Tom Hanks, Melanie Griffith. Uh, Bruce Willis in the in the lead roles and a whole bunch of other actors. Do- Donald Moffat, the guy from The Thing, the old guy with the, the mm-hmm. big eyebrows, he's in it. Um, all sorts of uh, interesting actors. And man, what a what a misfire of a movie. The book is so good. It's such a compelling book. Like the plot is so uh, well like put together, and the characters are all so well drawn. The reason it's so long is because even little characters get like pages worth of inner monologue and history and stuff it's really really well put together and then they try to make it into a two-hour movie which also like the book is a black comedy satire about wasps in the 80s and how they're racist fucks and and also about how like the the criminal justice system um being perceived as uh, structurally racist the the people empowered the bronx da they're like we need we need a wasp defendant to put on the stand uh, to, to prove to them that the system works the same way for rich white people as it does poor blacks and poor Latinos. The book is very much about racial relations, the history of Irish and Italians and stuff, and uh, it's it's fascinating. Um, and then the movie does not put in anywhere near uh, like the screenplay, nowhere near as much thought and nuance into those kind of topics. And... Um, and the Palma, he's like a thriller. He's an erotic thriller guy. And then he's making a black comedy. Mm-mm, no. Yeah. One thing, the Palma is not as funny. Yeah. Uh, he's not, I don't know. He's not funny. <clears throat> uh, so him making a comedy was a bad idea. It was all miscast. Everyone was in the fucking wrong roles. Um, the lead actor, or the lead character is supposed to be an asshole. You're not supposed to like him. Of course they cast Tom Hanks. So you can't hate Tom Hanks. He's the most likable guy <laughs> at the end. Oh, and then in, in the book, he... he doesn't get away with it, but he gets away. Doesn't yeah. get away. Like the system is, you know, just a, weird, a fucking wacky system. It's a satire. Uh, and the movie just straight up like gets away with it, and then yeah. there's like triumphant music. It's fucking strange. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman is the judge who uh, in the book is the Jewish judge, but they were getting really scared of the racial stuff, so the producers made him change it to a black character. So they cast Morgan Freeman, and uh, they gave him this whole speech that's not in the book about um, the justice system, how it has to work, and uh, and then he points out all the people all the bad players in the process and the camera like sits on every person uh, and it's very ham-fisted and corny when the movie ended I was like wow wow they blew that how did they blow that that's how Uh, there's a book The Devil's Candy I mentioned before it came out in 1991 that's on my short reading list uh, which is a complete making of and I guess unmaking of that movie it's an awful movie man it's it's wild it's so wild Bruce Willis oh he's so bad in it (laughs) But, like, if he had switched roles with another actor, that would have solved, like, 25% of the problem. Oh, my God. Anyway, Bonfire of the It's on HBO Max, so I watched it on there. Uh, speaking of HBO, a couple shows on there. Mayor of Easttown, finished it. Great. Have you watched it? Nope. Shortlisted. You, you enjoyed it. Kate Winslet's great. Guy Pierce has a small role, a small but great role in it. Uh, Evan Peters. I mean, great cast. Good uh, uh, writing, good plotting. The last episode had, like, a late... Like a late in the game uh, curveball that you're like, whoa, motherfucker. It was really good. Kind of heavy, though. A little heavy. 
it's not it's not a fun time at, at the old HBO. Um, but what do you, you know what is a fun time? Huh. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. H a u t e. Hot dog. Okay. Twelve episodes, one season. It's a dog grooming competition show. So you know, bake off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever. All that, dog that, off. that format nailed it. That format. Dog off. Um, world class, apparently. I didn't know that's possible. World class <laughs> dog groomers. Um, and also some people who are just like just getting started. They do mix it up a bit. Um, they do two rounds, three. There's like a host and two judges. One person's like a dog expert, and one person's there. She's a comedian, but she's more like a fashion expert too. And uh, two rounds where they get they get random dogs in the first round, and they have like an hour to to do something. And then the second round, uh, they have their own dog, but they get a theme, and they have to do something with that theme. And um, it's an easy watch, obviously, well, yeah, a- it's adorable, cleaning and styling dogs. And then it's obviously going to be in the presentation. And the best moments, for sure, are when they show the um, the dogs after they're groomed up, uh, especially the winning dog. They give the winning dog extra treatment, where they then they do essentially a little photo shoot with them, and they'll have like off, obviously off camera, like hit the fan, and their their fur or hair is just blowing in the wind, slow motion shots, different angles, like very, very cute. It's definitely a, the sort of thing that the that the doctor ordered after. Mm-hmm. After a hard day or week or whatever, it's it's easy watch, half an hour episodes. I mean, we put down four episodes. I was like, what what time is that? What, that was two hours already. Yes, it was. That was crazy. So uh, I'm gonna go back and, and finish watching those. Hot, Good for you, hot dog. Thank you so much, Drew. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, I watched episode one of Loki. Cool. Did you watch it? No. Oh boy. I'm waiting to. Are you gonna wait? I'm gonna binge. Oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be a crazy six hours, dude. Because <laughs> I don't want to wait six weeks for this shit. I hate it. You are waiting six weeks for this shit. Well, yeah, but then I get to you. Watch, you don't wait but, week but then, to week. Exactly. Why not? Just wait week to week. I don't like week to week. Why not? Nope. That's the way we grew up. And it gives me a reason to stay off the internet. Why would you be on the internet? Exactly. Wait, what? Yeah, if you're watching, then you... Oh, because you're watching it for six hours straight? Uh-huh. You mean? Well, no. And if I go on the internet, then there'll be spoilers because it's the new hot show and everyone's going to be talking about it. So oh, now, now I get to stay off the internet. True. Uh, I mean, I've been... Spoiled. I've been... I was on the internet for a few days after that first ep came out and it was pretty... Pretty spoiler-free out there. Um, I think it's going to be a hard one to spoil because it may... I'm sure it's going to have an overall arc, but it may end up being pretty episodic, sort of Mandalorian style, yeah. where... It's going to be like a different mission sort of every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, right off the bat, as opposed to like WandaVision, they put out the first two or three episodes. And it took a while to get into it. And it took uh, for everyone yeah. to get into it. And I liked it uh, f- when it started, but I was like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I'm, I'm into it. Um, and then as the show progressed, that really got, you know, quote, better, you know, just as it revealed the whole thing. Um, Winter Soldier. Similarly, when it started, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're going for here. And then by the end of the season, I was like, all right, it's pretty, it was, their arc was pretty satisfying. I was happy with the, with the way it ended. With this one, there is no like, okay, okay, we'll see. It's like right Bam. away, boom, <laughs> I am into this show. It's fucking good. Yeah. It's good. It looks good. It's fun. It's heavy sci-fi, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first episode right away has some fun little... Um, ponderous moments about um, I guess to keep it spoiler free ish 
uh, about the true power of of the universe, what's holding it all together, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Loki at first he's like, I don't, you guys are you're full of it. I'm a god. Get me out of here. But by the end he's like, okay. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, yes, I see, I see. It's really, it's really, really well done. I'm super into it. And I'm looking forward now to um, Wednesdays. It comes out on Wednesday so, to keep it separated from the Bad Batch, which mm-hmm. I haven't even started at all. Nope, me neither. At all. Here is good, but that's right here. So, so much, man. So much. I'm gonna watch. Now I'm gonna start watching Star Wars cartoons. Yeah. I mean, I, I I haven't really before. You you've watched them. Before. Oh yeah. The, I mean, the Gendi Tartakovsky yeah. stuff. Yeah. The original Clone Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 2D animation. And it wasn't that like skewed younger anyway. Would would it have skewed younger? Was yeah. I mean, yes and no. It was there was still some there was still some heavy themes. I, no, I'm thinking of Rebels. Yeah, that definitely skewed younger. I'm thinking of Rebels. Um, anyway, that's my media diet for the week. What do you got? Uh, I watched uh, the new Bo Burnham special on Netflix. Inside. Oh, okay, okay. Let me hear your perspective. Don't spoil anything for me, though, because I'm going to watch it it's too. Weird, that's man. Yes, that's what I've heard. I mean, it's Bo. It's so every time I've seen a Bo Burnham special, he's been live. So there's a crowd, and it's more of a stage show. Yeah, like this is he doesn't do stand up. Exactly. So this is him just doing his thing, just but in his room or whatever, just, right? In his, yeah, in like a studio apartment. Yeah, over the course of a year. Yeah, and it's good. How'd you feel when it ended? And it was like credits roll, stop. What were your emotions? Like that—that that was weird and cool and very fucking strange. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the kind of headspace to put you in, just like strange, mm-hmm. but but enjoyable. But it's I mean, it's Bo Burnham, so mm-hmm. he's already strange. So this is just back to him doing his weird. Nonsense. I haven't seen any Bo Burnham uh, comedy. The only oh really? Oh, yeah. The only thing I know him from is as the writer and director of Eighth Grade. I would highly recommend. He's got two other specials on Netflix. You should watch them. Watch them. Should I watch them first before Inside? Or does uh, it's up to you. I mean, if you if if you Inside feels very of the moment. Like I should watch it soon before it loses its power. I mean, yes, yes, and no. I mean, it, it would help to be more familiar with his style and what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I'm not expecting a stand-up comedy special. Well, I know, it's not. I know, it's not stand-up. I, he, yeah, that's he's, but, he's funny, but he's more of a musician than anything. Yes, and I'm not. I'm. That doesn't surprise me because that's the thing. People are like, it's almost a debate. Is this comedy? This inside? I mean, it thing. is because it's weird and it's funny. And yeah. But you found it funny. But maybe with the things that you find funny, other people well, only find weird. Well, you probably because you know? he 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 gets pretty heavy into some shit. So it could, like philosophically, it, it could be and an I Heart Huckabee situation. Definitely, where you know you Bo, see Bo, stuff in there. Bo Burnham is definitely like the I Heart Huckabees of comedy. Okay. Fuckabees. <laughs> Fuckabees. Guys, if you haven't seen I Heart Huckabees, Woo! come on, one of Mark Wahlberg's best. Uh, yeah, seriously. How, how am I not myself? How am I not myself? How am I not myself? Got fucking Richard Jenkins, uh, Maria Shriver's boy. No, Talia Shire's boy. Maria Shriver's uh, Arnold's ex-wife. The, yeah, eighth grade is the only thing I know him from, so I'll, I'll watch. Huh. I'll watch this soon. I'll probably watch it this I recommend week. it. No, it's good. Uh, uh, based on... How people have been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. I was a little hesitant to watch it in the last couple of days, uh, just based on real life stuff that's going on. Like, oh, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm in the right headspace to potentially uh, but it may, it, watch this it, it's, without really knowing the, the full yeah. content of what is in there. Well, if, I mean, sometimes he does get a little like dark and philosophical, but at the same time, it's all done very lighthearted. It's almost like 
the John Bryan of comedy. Like it's all still oh, yes. very I'm into that. happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though even though there's some heavy things going on, yeah. it's still very light. Okay. All right. All right. Netflix inside. Bo Burnham. You're giving it's it th- good. You're giving it the thumbs ups. Yeah. I like his stuff. I like Bo Burnham. All right, we're getting we're getting seven thumbs up from Juicy Crog. Uh, also, also, flavor. also on Netflix, there's uh, a new like science doc series called Human Colon: The World Within. Okay, and it's basically like, you know, like like you know how they have all these science shows about like the universe or the Earth or you know this that the other. Imagine it's the same thing just with the human body. Okay. Ooh, okay. So, so we're going inside the body mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. And all, all how this thing works. How how it all works, how it's all connected, this, that, the other. What's up with these weird meat sacks? Exactly. Remember going to the bodies exhibit mm-hmm. when we saw all those uh, oh, Chinese oh. political dissidents cut and up? And cancer patients? Yeah. yeah. There was also cancer patients. Yeah, because some of them had like the blackest lungs I've ever seen. Oh, oh, and I was like, true. oh, that's what my lungs look like. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, man, that shit is crazy to, to see it all splayed out like that, all the different components and spliced up. Uh, how does the how does the show is it a show or a, yeah, it's a show? It's a, ser- a there's series. There's six episodes. How does it? What does it do? Hour like, long each. Like one episode is like we talk about the bones, and episode well, two we talk about eyeballs. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, one uh, one episode's about like basically like the central nervous system. So mm-hmm. and it's called react. So it tells, you know, how you act and react and how all that works. Uh, one of them is about fuel. So it's all about food and metabolism and how all that works and your gut and blah, blah, blah. So okay. it's, it's broken up into six things. And and, uh, I, I've watched three of them so far. And you're going to finish it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, hour long. Yeah. Hour, 52 minutes. I think each. Sure. 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 So, uh, and I, what was that on again? Netflix. Both on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. And, I have not heard of. and then I'm only going to mention this because oh, listen up, as I gentlemen. started watching it uh, during the the dramatic re- reenactments, mm-hmm. the, the person was played by Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this guy doing in this hour long special about this guy named Admiral Rickover? It's called Rickover, the birth of nuclear power. And it's about uh, this... St- this strange little man mm. who brought nuclear power to submarines and aircraft carriers and this, that, the other. Oh, wow. He, he made the first nuclear power station in the world. Wow. And then figured out how to scale it down mm-hmm. and put it on boats and so nobody dies. Is that something that's like produced for TV, cable TV? I think or? PBS. I think it was PBS, PBS special. I saw it on Amazon Prime. And then Tim Blake Nelson's just randomly in a reenactment. But, no, he's in all the reenactments. So like throughout the entire movie, why is he, is he is he playing the guy? Yeah, he's playing Admiral Rickover. Oh, okay. So all of a sudden, okay. it's, it, 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 during this hour long special, you get like thirty minutes of Tim Blake Nelson oh, being weird. That's actually cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was it was really surprising. Love Tim Blake Nelson. Only reason why I kept watching it. Um, because otherwise, is it just like yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's an interesting story. I didn't know anything about yeah. this guy, or you know, and never in a million years would I've been like. Ha, would it ever have occurred to me who's the guy who's made the first nuclear submarine yeah who figured that out yeah. right yeah the story of that guy man I guess there is always like that guy or those people no. that had to be there someone had to do it exactly shit, shit didn't yeah. just come out of nowhere uh-huh. so uh don't up for Tim Blake Nelson you yep got, you got the TBN uh, other than that it was pretty okay but okay. yeah right. Tim Blake Nelson so that, was, that was fun dope as fuck that's well, it that's it shit 
Sheesh. Uh, that's what the kids are doing now too. Sheesh. Like I saw working sheesh into the into the she- vocab to be young. Sheesh. Sheesh. S h e e e s h. Sheesh. And then you gotta do you gotta go like this. That means ice in the veins, buddy. And now that we're doing it, the kids are gonna stop doing it now because because I got up to this level. Now that you know about it, look at that face. Now that you know about it, what? the kids are gonna stop doing it. Yeah. <sighs> I know it's exhausting trying to keep up with all these fucking. That's why I don't. Snappers. That's why I don't. You need to though. You're getting, Chris, you're getting old. Look at Chris, you. You're getting great by the second. I didn't do. I wasn't popular in high school. Like in high school, I was like, you know what? This is all ridiculous. Yeah. I don't care about any of it. Yeah, but now that you're older and smarter and above it all, now you can go back to high school and be popular. Well, the things I was made fun of for in high school are popular now. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying you should. So. You know, maybe we should hit up a high school. And we walk, we walk around going sheesh, and then like, I, I know. Yeah, but like those are the coolest guys we've ever seen. I know what you like about high school girls, Chris. Uh, the the the, the Matthew McConaughey thing. Come on, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, the Matthew McConaughey yeah. thing, Chris. You set me up for the old you, days of confused. You get you get older. They stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. Uh, honestly, as I get older, uh, uh, I get a little more weirded out by the younger porn stars, porn actresses. Well, yeah, because you're like, like oh my god, she looks fucking sixteen. Like this and it says, like, she's twenty six, and you're just like, oh no, this yeah, is bad. I think so I don't know what's going on. This here. is bad. This is weirder than me. <laughs> but then again, when I was sixteen, I I I knew girls who looked like they were in their twenties. So I get it. That's true. I get it. There were a handful of those. Yeah. A handful. You know what I mean? Zing. Hi, yo. Hi, ya. 69. So uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with the second half of the show where we're going to talk about movie news, TV news. I got some biz stuff. Uh, oh, man. That hot goss. We got some good hot goss. And you know what? Some of it involves our favorite wannabe cannibal and maybe a local addiction treatment center. All right. And here we go with a Billy D's Death at the Movies. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. Billy D's Death at the Movies. What's up, my dudes? It's been a crazy few weeks up here. Big announcement coming soon from the Death at the Movies camp. I also had the opportunity to slow down a little and catch up on some stuff I've missed and skipped and fully intended to write about those things. And then a bomb landed in my lap and exploded right in my stupid face. Last week, I was flipping through Netflix and I saw something unexpected. Bo Burnham had released a new special. I'm a Bo fan. I've enjoyed his specials and films and videos. I always appreciated how it was obvious how much he's grown and matured as a creative and continually pushed himself in the form. And then about 20 minutes into Inside, Bo pulls out a sock puppet and everything changes. I don't think it's possible to overstate how cataclysmic this moment is within the confines of Inside. And then by the halfway point, Inside's no longer a collection of songs filmed in one location. It's a devastating and catastrophic bomb of creative intent that will have people scratching their heads and talking about it for years. Once the final song ended, I immediately replayed the show and I got caught up again. Finally, the third time I watched, I was able to pay attention truly to the craft behind this special and really dive into it. Bo's been known for his perfectionism and performance as commentary on performance in the past, but when left alone in a room with a video camera, what can he do? Whatever the fuck he wants, it turns out. Making liberal use of aspect ratio shifts, camera angles, LEDs, and a projector, every single thing about Inside is intentional. The visual gags are heavy up top with tracks like comedy and sexting and white woman's Instagram, 
but in Instagram, he does a clever trick with aspect ratios, widening the picture to show there is more to this woman than the trend chasing performance of her basic timeline. And as soon as she shifts back into performance posturing, he closes that aspect ratio again. As the year he spent working on this drags on, the space becomes more cluttered and Bo becomes more disheveled. It was here I noticed that there are characters that have developed. Robert, the man who sets up the lights and does all the confessional talking. Bo, the performer, the coping mechanism. And then there are sudden differences in the pitch that take on meaning, this thick, gauzy, pitched down vocal effect taking on the voice of depression. And as the special progresses, Bo's mental health declines. He swears he will finish, then claims the special is all there is. Upon noticing the pitched voices at the end, the pitched down gauzy voice of God at the beginning now takes on a different tone. It's not some relevatory voice anymore. It's Robert's depression seducing him into isolating under the guise of healing the world with his comedy. The development of characters within the universe of Inside all of a sudden opens it up and it becomes a piece of musical theater in a way, awakening all my musical knowledge from college. And as that happened, I spent a whole fucking night trying to figure out if sexting is the waltz or if it's Look Who's Inside again. I decided it's Look Who's Inside again because this is the moment where Robert gives in to his desire to isolate, disassociate, cope by creating, despite how self-destructive that will be, since this is now a musical about misery. The run of songs in the back half from shit to goodbye is so tremendous. I'm constantly humming them or singing them to myself, especially the Oingo Boingo era Danny Elfman like welcome to the internet. But the standout track for me is All Eyes On Me. It's an absolute banger about depression, featuring one of the best callbacks in the special to the song before it with the lyrics, you say the ocean's rising like I give a shit. You say the whole world's ending, honey, it already did. You're not gonna slow it, heaven knows you tried. Got it, good, now get inside. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've seen something so impeccably crafted, and it's nice to still be blown away by a piece of art. If he never makes another special, he can rest happily knowing that this is an instant classic that transcends the form but I know he won't. I haven't been put through an emotional ringer like that since the last Pixar movie I watched. So obviously the natural next evolution I want for Bo is for him to write and direct a Pixar musical. So to quote Bo to Bo, I hope you're happy. Stay cool, Billy D. And we are back. Thank you, Billy D, for Billy D's the, the, the movie's installment number 68. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. You know what's next. Um, man, another person's fat face blown away by Bo Burnham's inside. Well, actually has a skinny face, so it's, it doesn't really work that way. But still, yeah, I'm just referencing what Bill said in his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm not drinking a new drink. Drew got, Drew got me a drink this time. Yes, it is. You got me a, a grapefruit lime uh, mixer to go with my vodka. Because uh, I started drinking again recently. Because Drew started drinking again. Uh, you know, life is hard. But it's rough. Pa- pandemics got to us all in different ways. Um, Drew's also a hard-working man, and sometimes a hard-working man needs a little bit of alcohol to stretch out his muscles. So, um, you know, I don't know where we're going with this, guys. We have a lot to talk about. We have uh, patreon.com slash So Shout-outs to our newest patrons. We've got a few new patrons lately, Drew. I forgot to mention to cool. you. Uh, so, guys, go there today. Sign up for new episodes coming out every Friday. We are officially halfway through our 12 months of Batman. As of this week, we talking Batman forever. Oh, golly, Miss Molly, guys. That was a fun episode. So uh, that comes out on Friday. You can check out everything we have uh, up until then. We've been doing it for a couple years now on the Patreon, so plenty of stuff 
to listen to patreon.com slash so Cinema Crespo Facebook group, delete your account, but if you haven't deleted it, you can leave a comment or question in our Facebook group, Cinema Crespo So uh, we put up a picture there and say, hey, you can leave a comment or question here for the show. And sometimes people use it just like this. I gotta find it. And, <laughs> and you forgot to find it. What, did you have the email, you have the email pulled up? Or yeah, the backwards. Yep. That's uh, Ron got us on the Facebook. What's up, Ron? The wonderful part of the Patreon Canonical 5. Uh Infinity Train question mark? Oh yeah, dude. Um, we're gonna get to it. I promise you we're gonna get to it. I promise you. LOL. Also, what time of day do you prefer to go to the movies? And do you go with fans? Oh no. <laughs> that feels weird. Also, not fans, listeners. I wouldn't go to a movie with a fan. I go to a movie with like a, a, a listener and a fellow movie lover. You know, that's a different thing. Like, Ron, I'd go to the movies with you, Ron. Come on, you're not a fan. You just listen to the show. We're buddies. Ron's my buddy. We've, I mean, we've, we've known each other for years now. We met at a uh, soccer game. Um, the uh, favorite time to see a movie for me personally is for sure like matinee, weekend matinee. I agree. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, late, I, late afternoon, early evening. Yes, I really like that. I like being able to walk out of the theater and the sun is still up. It's like I feel like I still have a day. I still have time. My day is not done. I'm freaking out about time. I need more time. And, uh, you know. It, no such thing. And then if you see a movie at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, then when it's over, it's like, shit, I gotta go to bed. I'm an old man. I'm tired. No. You know, my, my day is over. It's a dumb day. And then what if it's a bad movie? Do I end my day on a bummer? Yes. Come on. I need to be able to course correct possibly with like a cocktail or maybe a burger. Um, I'm not living a healthy life, guys. No. So, the, uh, yeah, for sure, when there's less people. Hell, when I saw A Quiet Place Part 2, it was like prime time Saturday night and like a dozen teenagers or whatever in front of me and these kids over here, not kids, but like 20 year olds over here talking and these guys all acting out. I was like, man, I do not miss this part of the movie going experience. Yeah. yeah. And I thought with it being A Quiet Place, people would be more chill. Like, shh, you gotta be quiet. But it's not that, it's not as quiet. A Quiet Place Part 2 is nowhere near as quiet as A Quiet Place. So it doesn't have the same spellbinding effect. It's kind of... Loses luster a little bit there in that regards. Uh, Ron, we're going to watch Infinity Train soon, buddy. Uh, and then we'll put those episodes where we talk about them, probably an episode per season. So there's four seasons, right? Uh, I, I think know. they're doing season four right now, okay. I believe. So we'll do one episode for each season starting in July on Patreon for Ron, but then also for our other patrons. That's how it works with the Patreon, guys. If you're a top-tier patron, um, you can essentially tell us which episodes to do. Um, we're doing Hocus Pocus in October for Simon, for Simon Time. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Okay. Have you, have you ever seen Hocus Pocus? No. Neither have I. Neither have I. Don't tell Simon. Do not tell Simon, <laughs> but neither have I. And I I have warned him. I'm like, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're going to be honest about this movie. It's yeah. your favorite movie, dude. Uh-huh. Are you sure you want us to do this? Uh, yeah, because we, we, we might not like it as much as you do. We may point out some things that might make you mad. I don't want this guy to clothesline me. <laughs> He's stiff. Simon is stiff. There's videos of him on the, on YouTube clotheslining people into oblivion. And there's a couple of videos of him knocking himself out. He's so stiff. There we go. You know, you don't get you don't get a professional wrestler mad at you. No. Um is that it from Ron from the, in the Facebook group? Uh, he gets us at us again. Yes, thank you, Ron. So who else cried from in the heights? I am far from Hispanic, but I felt that community of a city from my time at my grandma's house, and I cried at that scene. Yes, I know what you're talking about. For her remembering losing her to COVID. 
The magical realism was pretty dope. I know it was long, but this is one of the few plays that is enhanced by being on film. Oh, wait, that's an interesting, interesting take that it's even better on film. Um, like I said in the first half in my review, it's a very emotional, openly emotional, sentimental movie and story. And people, there are deaths. You know, there are deaths and there are births. Um, yeah, this recipe is. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it can it can for sure pull some tears, um, and even me. I mean, like I said, I was into the drama and story of it. If it didn't have all the singing and dancing, I may have liked it even more. Ironically for me, but the uh, yeah, you know, I was definitely feeling the emotion of it. Absolutely, they they plumbed those deaths. I also felt some emotion when I was watching Hamilton. He pulled it off in Hamilton too, you know, when uh, he's getting ready to go die. Because it's like, I'll just fire straight up into the air. And that, that's a that's a gentlemanly signal for, uh, you know, I surrender. It makes no sense. Okay. It makes no sense. Did you, did you see Hamilton? No. No. Musical, Chris. But the, the historical part, that's the one where, like, in the Heights, no. Like, I, no. Like, no. Did you see Les Mis? No. Because it's been long enough now. No. Maybe that was back in the before days uh-uh. where he still gave him. No. That one had Russell Crowe being like, I'm singing about the thieves. You know, because he, he liked to use this. Guitarista. Okay. Um, like Hamilton has the the historicals. You, you are a history guy. Mm-hmm. You watch History Channel stuff a lot. It does have such an interesting, fun take on that that you you would for sure appreciate it. But then the musical stuff, you'd be like, "Oh my god, no. shoot me, shoot they're, me, they're, fucking now!" They're doing it again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the songs though have a um, are funny enough. That you don't even really necessarily, they're not, some of the songs are obviously your stereotypical, I'm going to sing about my emotions, and this is the dialogue, but then some songs are just straight up like, almost like side, like Weird Al songs, and you can kind of get with that, but then just fucking yeah, no. listen, just listen to the soundtrack, you can listen to like Weird Al stuff, or just listen to Weird Al, if you want to listen to Weird Al, Al Palooza is a great album, it's got Living in the Fridge, it's got uh, Jurassic Park, remember that one? Vaguely. Man. Shout out to Weird Al. So, uh, you can email us, cinemacrespediso at gmail.com if you don't want to use any other medium, and we will read those emails on the show like this. Got an email from Gabe. What's up, Gabe? What up, show? What up? I've been, I haven't been emailing, and I've been off to Facebook, but I have been watching things. Rapid Fire. Finished Invincible. Somewhat fun. Wonder where it goes. Finished Underground Railroad. Oh, we finished it. Wow. I, I, I gotta get back into that one. Well produced, well acted, reminded me of WandaVision because it's all about grief and perseverance. Yes. That lead actress does so much crying. <laughs> Long watch, not a fun one, but Barry Jenkins is good. Yeah. Finished Chernobyl. Very good. Yeah. Well produced. Loved the series. Finished Maravis Town. Reminded yes. me of Prisoners Meets Fargo. Well produced. Twisty twists. Pretty good. Hey, pause. That's a good. That's good. Uh, Fargo means what was he said? Prisoners. That's good. That, that's a good uh, mashup there to describe Maravie's town. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to sell it to okay. let people know that that's kind of what you're in, in for watching that thing. Uh, finished Black Lady Sketch Show Season 2. Fun, but I liked Season 1 better. Looking forward to Season 3. Okay. Finished The Michael Che Show. The pilot was kind of corny, but the episodes definitely get better. Funny and short enough to binge. Okay. Side note, I'm all about these quick sketch shows like a Black Lady Sketch. I don't think you should be here, etc. 
Has he has he checked out Auntie Donna? Yeah, yeah. Auntie Donna, Auntie Donna, Donna come on. <laughs> yeah, sketch is uh, how come there's not more sketch? That's weird, right? Uh, I guess sketch has never been that popular, but there's always been a couple of sketch shows well, out SNL. there. SNL has been the constant, but then in the eighties there was a um, there was a Friday night show that was based on I think the Second City crew had a Friday night show. Was it called Fridays? Michael Richards was on it, and like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Andy Warhol. Not Andy Warhol. Andy Circus. Not Andy Circus. Andy Jenkins. Who's the one who Jim Carrey was pretending to be the whole time? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman <laughs> uh, was a uh, was a guest. Anyway, um, yeah, there was that. Kids in the Hall, right? You had Matt TV. You got In Living Color. That's '90s stuff. Uh, what was was it early two thousand sketch comedy that wasn't I don't know I I, I don't know right yeah. I don't think so there was uh, remember what was the kids one all that was it all that oh on Nickelodeon yeah, yeah. Nickelodeon that was a kids version mm-hmm. of, the, of a sketch comedy I feel like maybe nineties was the heyday for a sketch comedy for a televised sketch I gotta, I gotta watch this uh, black lady was it called black lady sketch show right mm-hmm. yeah I gotta watch that people always talking good stuff about it uh, finish the boys season two. The Boys. That's I, another one I haven't even started. I haven't even started it. It's good. It's Is good. it? Man. Both seasons are good. And they're already like casting their gooder for season three already. It's good. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I'll get on it. I'll get on it. Uh, I really like I mean, it's... The Boys is kind of like invincible. Right. Yeah. In the fact that it's kind of... It's a fun take on the superhero genre. Yeah, if it were, and if it was real, super violent, right? Yeah, like hilariously violent, which is right in line with like I've been my favorite thing of the Gangs of London show has been the over the top yeah. violence. People don't just get shot with a shotgun; they get I mean, shot you, in the face, point blank, ha, ha, explosions. Have you heads. seen any of the boys at all? Just promo stuff. <laughs> just promo stuff, and people talking about it. My mom's even I mean, talking about I mean, some, it start, some stuff. It's, it's, the impetus the, the, for the show. The promos were very violent. The impetus for the show is uh, like a Flash type character. Yeah, vaporizes this dude's girlfriend. Yeah, because he like runs down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and you yeah, see the, it. Yeah, that was a in pro- all its glory. That was the promo. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> the, whoa. And it, then it goes from there. It go. Yeah, it, it just gets crazy. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm for sure gonna watch it. Oh my god, so much stuff. Uh, I really like the series. It's the right touch of being a mockery of a bloated superhero story, but dark and gritty enough to keep it grounded. Mm-hmm. Tons of culture references. I'm very interested to see where season three goes. No one should be likable, although I favor Billy the Butcher and Black Noir, but you should hate all of these characters. Agreed. Okay. None of them are likable. Yeah, that's the point. They're all pieces of shit. Yes. That, Just varying degrees of shit. That's that's some all, people are less shitty than others. That's the whole point that they're all they're bad. Like we worship these people, comic book version, but if it was in real life, they'd all be bad. Yeah. yeah. Various degrees of some better than others. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think sometimes the message is muddled and irrational, but if I were a kid, I'd appreciate the service level stuff. Pretty formulaic in its execution, but yeah. still enjoyable. Fun myth building. The uh, it looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous, and the bad guys look so the bad entity, whatever it is, looks so cool. Yeah, conjuring devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. I was expecting a corny, over the top, overproduced thing, but they surprised me with a more subtler approach. Combines exorcism with a culty witch. Still, the tense misdirections, but some of the scary reveals are actually kind of cool. Not in the horror genre, but I was entertained enough to maybe watch again if someone suggested it as a group watch. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like ostensibly a horror film, but it is more of a a psychological thriller chasing a serial killer. It is closer to uh, Seven 
that it is The Exorcist. It's a fascinating, uh, okay movie. In the Heights. In the Heights. An ode to love song to Washington Heights. Washington Heights. Huge Hispanic cast, which I appreciate. Aye, aye, aye. There are some things that work and some things that don't. The movie is too long. Oh my god! I understand long. Broadway plays might run like three hours plus. Yes. But 30 minutes could have been cut. Yes, it's a movie, not a play. Some of the songs I enjoyed, but I'm not going to run out and get the album, mainly because I hate musicals. <laughs> but I did enjoy some scenes, like the Salsa Club, because I'm very familiar with that kind of thing. That was a good scene. I think they did a great job in world building. This neighborhood seems like they shot some of it or most of it in NYC yeah. so kudos for that yeah. there's just something off about live recorded songs that are lip synced that bothers me yeah. I'm sure these are all quality stage actors and could do it in real life but there's something about con- converting it to a movie that's over the top unrealistic for me I'm sure I'd enjoy the stage show much more than the movie but that doesn't do it for me again the acting is fine but I just don't like musicals except for Grease they got that right very surprised by <laughs> quote unquote Dr. Dre but come to find out, he was nominated for a Tony. What? Oh, okay. Also, they got me, so kudos for them. Oh. I was thinking that at some point, uh, he, he does have a duet with a, a girl, and I was like, is that really him singing? Uh, right? Why else would they cast him? Is he not? Is he singing, is he singing in the studio? Is it live singing? Uh, so it's interesting. He was nominated, he said, for a Tony? I guess. That, that's fascinating. Uh yeah, I agree with uh, all that on on in the heights for sure. It is really good. They, you do get a sense of the community in the neighborhood, which is what the movie is about. So if uh for anything, it succeeds in doing that in in a, in a very strong way. Uh, also, I think the movie may have been funded by the New York Lottery because it's like a, practically a character in the movie. Mm-hmm. I am got another email from Gabe. What's up, Gabe? Because he forgot. Oh, you forgot. Something. His Loki episode one review. Let's hear it. Just happened to be looking for some new movies on D Plus and saw Loki was available. Didn't realize it came out. First ten minutes hits you with Endgame, Nexus, and Time Variance. So that's where we're going, people. <clears throat> Again, this has to tie into Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange, right? WandaVision mm. never did. Hits a funnier tone while trying to get into the psychology of Loki. Seems like a fun premise. Very promising. Thumbs. Yeah, I wonder what how this will end up. Loki, of all the shows, feels like the one, at least off the bat, that will tie into the movies the least. It feels like it has its, it has its ability to be its fully its own thing within the MCU without causing story ripples. They set it up in a way to be like, uh, like it's almost all about maintaining order, story continuity. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a weird fucking show. Uh, I sort of want to goddamn time police. I sort of want to rewatch the episode. Yeah, the time police. You know who's in it? Um, Ruby from Lovecraft Country. I'm gonna have to learn that actress's oh. real name because yeah. she's starting to pop up in more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? She was in Batman vs Superman. Uh, she was like the one who testifies on behalf of the village that Superman accidentally fucks up. It's funny going back and seeing that. Yeah. Like, oh shit, it's Ruby. <laughs> Ruby playing an African lady. Um, yeah, that, that actress is really good. Uh, is that it from that's it from Gabe? Yep. Yeah, Loki's good, guys. Check it out if you're into the MCU stuff for sure. Uh, um, that's that's all I got on that. Let's, let's. I don't know why I have I have the wrong app open. Here we go. I gotta get to my email, which I have all my news stories. Face um, uh, FTC. We're doing biz news, business okay. news. The FTC fucking went after MoviePass and uh, Mitch Lowe, the hedge fund CEO manager. These guys who t- who. Ran movie pass. The FCC went after them and alleged um, 
huge amounts of fraud, which includes the biggest thing, I think, is when they took the 2% of their highest uh, users, the users that use the app the most, the top 2%, and they invalidated all their passwords. And then they made them re-log in to say, like, oh, technical difficulties, your password, you have to reset your password. And then when they either the reset button didn't work, it would take them to the wrong website, or it just, they, they effectively froze out their the accounts. Most, their, yeah, the yeah. people who use it the most. Um, that was just one of the things they did. Another thing was the, and I remember this too, because I had it during these months, the ticket verification. If you went and used the app, you had to, like, get the ticket at the theater, take a picture of it, and upload it to your app. And they did that specifically to discourage people from using the app to be like an extra hurdle to make people just be like, ah, forget about it. I'll just buy a ticket. But then I guess not cancel the yeah. app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a four or five things like that where the FTC was like, fuck you, movie pass. You, you like just 100% ripped off your customers and sold them something that uh, wasn't they weren't actually getting. And movie pass was like, our bad and then FTC was like okay well, well don't don't do it again and movie pass was like oh okay not even movie pass because they're dead but yeah. the uh, the ceo he was like okay mm-hmm. and then they didn't even find them any money or anything they're just like don't bad bad don't do that it's literally that's all they did so it, pay, it pays to be white yep and rich it pays to be rich it pays to be rich oh, it pays to be rich um speaking of rich comcast has decided to stop Funding Hulu. Okay. So uh, we may be seeing this may be the beginning of the end for Hulu. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. It's going to be up to what Disney wants to do with it. So here, this is, remember, this is how Hulu started back in 2007, 2008. It was a joint venture between Disney, Fox, uh, and Universal. Universal gets bought by Comcast. And um, Disney buys Fox. Yeah. And then Time Warner got in there for a little bit and like had a share, but then they sold a share and backed out. So now now Disney owns Fox. So now it's just Disney and Comcast. They co-own Hulu. And Hulu has decided, oh, Comcast is like, we're going to stop paying our share. And when they do that, that triggers something in the contract that then allows for some sort of buyout clause. So, But it requires valuation of the product. How much is Hulu actually worth? Mm-hmm. So that's going to take a few months to figure out. Um, but they're essentially trying to get out of this deal, mm-hmm. and then Hulu will just be wholly owned by Disney. Which is, I mean... But they already have Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but the, Hulu is their, is their Fox. It could be their non... It used to be their movie division was Touchstone. When they want to put out something that was that's not that quote have, Disney that doesn't have the Disney logo, yeah, that's all they got to do. It's they're on Hulu. So is that what Hulu's gonna be then? Maybe because yeah. well. it's already. I mean, the only things I the only things I watch on Hulu are the stuff from FX, mm-hmm. and, and that's Fox, which is Disney. There's so. also um, they get original movie exclusives sometimes. Okay, you know, um, just like any. Any of these streaming services, uh, they pick up libraries and stuff, yeah. uh, so things get all spread out. Oh, but yeah, FX I think is their is the biggest thing that they have for sure. Yeah. It's for sure the biggest thing. Um, so we'll see. Consolidation is going to be a big thing amongst all these apps in the next few years. Paramount Plus, um, they're a ten dollar a month option. They're adding a lower tier option that will have ads. It's an ad supported option and. Um, it doesn't get all the as many movies that are come out like movies that come out in theaters. They won't come out. They're doing a different thing where Disney is doing like the day and date. You can pay thirty bucks and they yeah. can get the gate. HBO is doing their thing where it's like it's just on the app the same day, but only for thirty days. Paramount is doing a thing where 
their new movies will be available on the app within 45 days. But I guess if you pay for the younger, lower tier, you don't get that early access to those Paramount movies. Okay. Meanwhile, this Paramount movie got pushed to this Mark Wahlberg one got pushed to the app Infinite, and I think the reviews are not, not good. Well, I mean, it's a Mark Wahlberg movie, Chris. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it's an Antoine Fuqua movie, yeah. and he hasn't made a good movie in a while. I mean, he makes good trash movies like Equalizer. I like Equalizer too. I don't, think, I don't know if he directed that. Um, Seven, Magnificent Seven was okay. Uh, what was the other one he did? The uh, 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 anyway, yeah, he's uh, it's been a long time since his uh, what, what did he come up? Training day. Training day. Oh, yeah. shit, shit. Um, but that was Denzel in his prime, that so. too. That too, yeah. Everyone was in their prime at that time, actually. Uh, Cruella is um. Coming to uh, streaming services, or at least the VOD option, mm-hmm. much faster than anticipated. Okay. Uh, so for people who don't have Disney Plus but haven't been to the theater, you'll be able to rent this by uh, June 25th. That's really soon. Yeah. That's really, really soon. On all major digital platforms. Uh, and then it'll be available, I'm sure, on Disney. I'm just waiting for the Disney release at this yeah. point. Because I got the Disney Plus, so I'm going to go to the theater to see the Cruella movie. I don't care that much about the Cruella. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Picking up what I'm throwing down? Mm-hmm. That I mean? You know that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I mean, I've heard of it. You heard of it? It's a Tina Fey show, and it's got this girl, Ellie Kemper. Yeah, Redhead. Redhead. She's she's the titular Schmidt. Um, apparently, she was a KKK princess. Oh, good for her. Well, I mean, she looks white enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's milky white. Um, this was funny, so... It was revealed, you know, anything you do in the past will be dug up as long as there's photos of mm-hmm. anything, you know, we'll be, we'll all be called off for our shit eventually. Um, the Veiled Prophet Organization was founded in the late 1800s by a former Confederate officer and other prominent white St. Louisians. The only permitted white people to participate in their group up until 1979. And they came up with this character called the Veiled Prophet, who was supposed to be like, um, a precursor to the KKK sort of uh, the white knight that is going to protect everyone and save everyone and they have this whole uh, the veiled prophet ball that they've been doing for a very long time and they, and they crown a queen or whatever at the end of it and in 1999 Ellie Kemper was uh, she participated in the debutante ball and it was named veiled prophet queen of that ball in 1999 and now all these years later people are like oh shit look she's a KKK princess <laughs> yep Sounds about right. It's kind of fucking crazy to be like, you the racist princess. Um, and then she put out this big statement about how, look, I was 99, 41. She must have been like 19. She was like, look, I was a teenager. I think she was 17 or 19. She was like, I was a teenager. I was taking part of a debutante ball. Wasn't fully aware of the history of the organization at that time. Knowing the organization's history now, it's like, obviously, don't condone any of it. It's bad. Racism, bad guys. Don't take my job. I love you. I love everyone. Blah, blah, blah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it does sort of seem like just a white privilege in your yeah. in your bubble. Well, no, exactly. You, you she, just don't know. She was a white kid. Things were going on. There was this ball. She was invited. It's a ball. Nobody told her who was running it or the politics behind it. She just sees pageant contact. Maybe there's a money thing. Oh. She has to put on a crown. Come on. Maybe there's a singing portion. She gets to sing a little song about Dixie. <laughs> Old Dixieland. Um, 
Titus Burgess, uh, big funny gay handsome black man, is a co co star on uh, the the Unbreakable uh, uh, KKK Schmidt, mm-hmm. and he put out a, a statement, and his statement was this: uh, Where is it? He goes, "Oh, he just writes, I, I love my Ellie." P.S. Next time, just ask me. I'll tell you what to do. No, that that was it. Just mean. Oh, she was nineteen years old. There we go. There we go. That was her age. I was wondering what her age was. So anyway, that, that's some funny shit. Yep. She was a Kimmy Schmidt was a racist, not a racist, but a KKK queen pre KKK. Mm-hmm. It predates the full KKK. So uh, speaking of John Chu, uh, director of In the Heights, he also directed Crazy Rich Asians, which made a ton of money. And he just put out a thing recently where he was like, "Guys, my bad. Um, uh, racism and colorism is not the sole provenance of." The white man, you know, we like to pretend that the white man has invented racism, but mm-hmm. I mean, no, just discrimination against the other has, I'm surely happened, happened since, since the there, dawn of man. Since, since, like, since there's been an other, yeah, since there's like one cave of people and another cave of people, they're like, I don't trust those cave people. Exactly, there's something about them. They, yep. they look weird. Um, so, um, he made Crazy Rich Asians, and that was a big coup for Asian representation in movies, right? Uh, but even within that. John Chu now apologizes for the betrayal of some Southeast Asian characters, the browner characters. Mm-hmm. And really, that racism stuff always does go just darker. It's weird how yeah. it's like, you're darker. I don't like how you're darker than me. It's strange, right? It's weird. I feel like it's an it's a evolutionary uh, advantage to be. They got this goddamn sun. No shell's yeah. even darker than I am now. So the, uh, there are some characters that are like guards or whatever. And um, some like helpers, cook characters, and they're all one dimensional. They're just filling in scenes. They're not even characters. But then there there are the darker characters in the in the movie. So he feels bad for not giving them even an ounce of like humanity or agency in any way whatsoever. Even provided an example of what he could have done to mm-hmm. just throw in a quick joke that would have shown. The, the scary brown Asian guards. It's not really scary. They're just like, look at these fucking idiots. You know, he could have he could have changed it in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, it, every, everyone's trying to struggle with just doing the right thing at all times. And you know what? It, it'll never happen. We'll never get to 100% where, we, where we're treating each other great at all times and, and we're representing each other in the best ways possible. But at least if we work towards it, that's like enough. Just to work towards it, not to ignore it. Right? Sure. Like that's what he's doing. He could just ignore it. You like fuck those Filipinos. I don't give a shit what they have to say. I'm John Chu, man, live in L.A. But he's like, no, I hear you. I understand you. I may or may not do something about it, man. Exactly. And uh, switching into movie news, Andrew Nichol, director of Killing Them Softly, uh, uh, the, the the Robert Ford assassination of Jesse James by Kyle Robert Ford, uh, uh, Chopper, right? This guy, huh. Kiwi director. He is making a movie about a um, terrorist attack uh, in um, against Muslims in New Zealand, but the movie is about the New Zealand Prime Minister, what's his lady's name, Jacinda Ardern, mm-hmm. uh, and her her response to it and how she handled it diplomatically, bureaucratically, on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And now people are like, this movie's still in the like production stages, and people are like. What's this white saviorism shit? How come we just don't just just make a movie about the Muslim people that got all shut up? Why you gotta make it about the white person that comes in afterwards and saves the day? So 
we'll see if anything happens with that. I just was fascinated. That's what um Andrew Nichols' next movie is because he hasn't he doesn't make movies that are a great clip. No. I think Killing Them Softly is the last goddamn movie he did. When was that? That was a long time ago. The fucking Obama years. The beginning of the Obama years. No. He hasn't done anything since then. God damn it. That's a crime against humanity. Jeff Nichols, we talked about this before. He's doing a Quiet Place. The next Quiet Place movie, writing and directing it, is actually a spinoff movie. Okay. So it's not going to be a continuation of the full-on story. It's like a side story type oh, thing. That way, Emily Blunt doesn't have to keep being in these movies. Yeah, this poor lady. She's tired. Come on, let <laughs> her stay at home and like figure out Edge of Tomorrow 2 finally. God damn it. I don't see that Edge of Tomorrow shit. Um... The Cannes Film Festival is happening, and they were teasing a planetary blockbuster was going to uh, play as part of their lineup. And they just announced it last week. This planetary blockbuster is F9. Vin so, Diesel. In space. Oh, yeah. Sure, right? So it has to be alluding to in space and Vin Diesel getting one step closer to his Fast and Furious movie getting at least nominated for Best Picture. That He thought Fast 7 was going to be nominated for Best Picture. That was the Paul Walker one. Uh, I heard another podcast where someone saw F9, um, like out a sneak peek, and that their friend asked them how much of it takes place in space, and he just responded, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny. See, I'm about to end my drink, Drew. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's good thing you got that backup. Oh, they got Woo! There we go. Look at that. There we go. Backup. Back. Oh, shit. There we go. Backup drink. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we'll see if... How this plays the Khan Film Festival. It'll be here in a couple of weeks in, in the theaters. Um, Taika Waititi confirms that he did something for Thor Love and Thunder that I fully appreciate. Where uh, we're, I'm just going to go straight to the quote. Someone asked him about the comedy of the movie. He says, I think compared to Ragnarok, what's the comedy going to be like? I think this might be funnier. Everything we do with Ragnarok, we just multiplied it. Who knows if we do another one after this? Here's what I like. But I definitely feel like we put everything, every idea, and every single ridiculous concept or gag or stunt or character into this film. I couldn't be happier with it. End quote. Yes. He puts it all in there. Love and thunder. Love and thunder. And he's not, <laughs> he's not looking to like, what seeds can I plant for Thor 5 and 6 and 7? You know, he's not trying to plan a, a quadrilogy. Four. It's just... Four, and it's gonna be fucking awesome. Or it's, it's gonna, gonna be, good. be Thor. It's gonna be Thor. Two Thor, two fear, two two Thor, two fear. Maybe Thor just spelled F O T H O U R. F O T H. No, just T H O U R. Thor. 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 Four. Thor. 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 Someone asked Halle Berry, who is your favorite superhero? What do you think Halle Berry replied? Catwoman. Yes. <laughs> but she clarified the Eartha Kit version, not my own, is what she said. Okay. So Halle Berry out there continuing to be self-aware and delightful. I just, I just, wanted, to, I just wanted to put that mm-hmm. That's part of the... We, we're now dipping into some superhero shit, as you can tell from the, the four Thor. Uh, breakdown. Um, Ryan Reynolds posted a picture that was like a getting back to work picture and it was like a desk with a coffee and a laptop and a backpack and the Deadpool mask was sticking out of the backpack so does that mean Deadpool 3 mm-hmm. X-Force whatever is possibly happening we'll see possibly who knows that shit ain't gonna be R-rated it better be it's not gonna be it won't be guys get over it now <laughs> it's not gonna be R-rated the sooner you can get to it uh, the better 
going with the Suicide Squad, the, the editor of that movie, talked about how shit was changed. And um, this quote is fascinating. He says, this is the editor of the original Suicide Squad, David Ayers. It was well over a million feet of film that we shot for Suicide Squad. Pause. Other movies that have shot a million feet of film include Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now and Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate. Remember us talking about that on mm-hmm. the Patreon? All right. Huge hours long films, gigantic productions that go over budget, over schedule um, for these masterful, crazy directors who may or may not sink or swim with their projects, right? This is goddamn the Suicide Squad. A million feet of film for Suicide Squad? They got a Shark Man and a Dumb Joker. A million feet of film? Apparently. Oh my god. No Sounds wonder. Like a waste. No wonder the movie was a piece of shit. So we want to blame then Warner Brothers taking the editing away and making him edit it to look like the... Also, he explains that they made him take all the character introductions and front load the movie with the character introductions and their original edit had the introductions more spread out. So even like 45 minutes, an hour into the you movie... You character introductions. Yeah, and he said that helped... I could see that helping the flow yeah. of the film more. Um, but I don't know. A million feet of film? I don't, know. I don't know. David Ayer is not fucking Francis Ford Coppola. That's for sure. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I think that's crazy. Um, Nightwing apparently is still happening. All right, the director who was a uh, who was the director? I'm not clear on this. He, he confirmed that uh, he's still talking to the people at Warner Brothers, and um, and it is. Oh, did you know Lego Batman Two is not happening anymore? Okay, yeah, that's Dunzo Bunzo. That's fine. The first one was good enough. And that guy, Chris McKay, he is now he's the one doing um, uh, Nightwing. Okay. And he says that they're they're talking about it, they're working on it. Meanwhile, th- they announced Warner Brothers announced that a uh, Batgirl. I think we talked about this last week because Kevin Smith was mad yeah. about it. Batgirl will be um, HBO Max, and also uh, they're doing a Blue Beetle movie that's going to be HBO Max. Okay. So they're really cranking out the DC content. So Nightwing might be happening. Might be happening pretty soon. Um, John Wick, Chapter 4, they added Bill Skarsgård. We're getting some casting news now. Bill Skarsgård, the guy who played Pennywise, mm-hmm. in It, he's now in John Wick, Chapter 4, cool. which is, uh, I think, getting into production pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne did the pre-hype thing where he said he read the script and it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Matrix 4, they cast Christina Ricci. Okay. Which makes her, that's her reunion with the Wachowski, at least one Wachowski from uh, the Speed Racer days, mm-hmm. right? It's been a long time since Speed Racer, man. Uh, so that's cool. I'm a big uh, Christina Ricci fan. What, where, where's she been? I don't know. Right? She used to be, especially in our day, back in the 90s when she was like, she is our age. Yeah. Uh, when she was younger, she was everywhere. She was all over the place. That's kind of crazy. Uh, anyway, so she's going to be in the Matrix. That's fun. Ooh, this is a crazy story. Remember the movie Frailty? Vaguely. So that one is written and directed by Bill Paxton. Matthew McConaughey is in it. And he's telling a story about when he was a kid. Um, him and his brother were uh, trained by their dads, like identify demons in people and like, and kill them and stuff. But then they were just like, is our dad just crazy? We think our dad is just crazy. So that movie came out and Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, uh, he saw that movie and it gave him an idea and steal from the best. He was like, I like that idea, Will Paxton. What if I took that and I mashed that up with fucking Van Helsing? Okay. So he uh, 
wrote a book. He wrote a short story called Abraham's Boys, and it's a sequel to Dracula, where Abraham Van Helsing is training his kids to like identify vampires and kill them. Um, but then his kids are like, "We think that's just crazy." crazy. <laughs> uh, that is being turned into a movie. Okay, fun. Yeah. Yep. Uh, writer director Natasha Kermani will be adapted into a, a feature film. So that does sound like a lot of fun. Abraham's Boys. Hope it's good. Uh, and then I like how it's uh, based on Frailty in mm-hmm. a way. That's a that's a fun mashup. Frailty's a good movie. Very low key, underrated, underappreciated good movie. People should check that one out. Is that actually a Stephen? I don't think it's a Stephen. It's very Stephen King ish. But I don't know if it's an official Stephen King. Speaking of Stephen King, you ever see Christine, his haunted car movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, John Carpenter's? Yeah. They're remaking that. Okay. Um, Bloomhouse is doing it. And we already got some names uh, associated with it. Let's see. According to Deadline. Oh, um, Brian Fuller, the guy who did the Hannibal TV show. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's working on the Christine movie. Okay. So that's going to be pretty cool. That's going to be pretty cool. Oh, and Vincenzo Natale, the guy who did uh, Cube and, and Splice. Yeah. And uh, I think he's working on The Stand for CBS. He's involved as an executive producer. Weird. Yeah, he's done some Stephen King stuff, apparently. Um, Fletch reboot happening. Yeah. Yeah, that one is going to be directed by Greg Matola, who uh, he's a guy who did Superbad, amongst other things, and starring John Hamm. This is like the fourth or fifth version of Fletch that they've been trying to do in the last 15 years. Mm. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme has a action comedy coming to Netflix called The Last Mercenary. I might watch that. Yeah, it's sort of a, sort of a spoof satire thing, like Last Action Hero type of mm-hmm. send-up. But it's Van Damme. So it's, exactly. like, it's like, okay, here we go. Maybe I do a split here, then we can get away from the bad guys. I hope so. Um, Rob Zombie announced that after years of lobbying for it, he finally got the job as director of the new Monsters movie. <sighs> and people right away are like, I hope he makes it like a house of a thousand corpses. Like, God, he's making a family movie. There's yeah. no way this is not going to be a family movie. No, I mean, it might look like a Rob Zombie movie, but it's not going to be a Rob Zombie movie. It's going to be a Rob Zombie fan. It's going to be weird. No. Um, as long as he doesn't write it or he has someone help him write it, then it could be good. Because visually, he's great. He, yeah. He has a great visual yeah, sense. he just can't write he can't for write shit. For sh- can't write for fucking shit. Uh, hot take. Here we go. This is the hot take segment of the show. Rob Zombie peaked creatively with... Uh, Beavis uh, and Butthead Do America. I was going to say Thunder Kiss 65. Oh. Even, even before that. I was going to say, the animation he did for Beavis and Butthead Do America sure, was that, amazing. Sure, that's good. That ties... Also, the music was White Zombie, yeah. so just the, the White Zombie days. Mm-hmm. Once he started going, Dragula, the then it was over. Yeah. It was over. Agreed. Dig through the ditches. Um, Don't forget to burn through the witches. Why? You leave the witches alone. No, you gotta burn them. Did you know the Salem witch, witch trials were outlawed by the governor of Massachusetts when his wife was accused of being a witch? Yeah, I'm sure. Hmm. Same thing, I mean. It was like, those trials were working out great for for him until the, they came to his front door. No. Yeah. He's like, oh. you know what? Uh, you know, I don't think it's a good idea so much anymore. You know what? They think we're going to stop the whole witch trial. Uh, She's a witch. Banner. So this weird-looking fellow from the Harry Potter movies. Look at this guy. He's always, He's been in other stuff. This weird-looking guy. Look familiar to you? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He, he was, uh, oh, man. He was He was in uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes, correct. He's he, a Battle of Buster Scruggs. Uh, what's his face? Uh, another uh, Liam Mason kills him. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, 
his name is Harry Melling. He played Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies for Harry Potter listeners, fan listeners. Uh, he was cast in the Netflix movie The Pale Blue Eye, which we've talked about recently. Um, it's Scott Cooper, the guy who did Crazy Heart and uh, uh, the, 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 what's the one? Out of the Furnace and Hostiles, right? Christian Bale plays a detective investigating a murder, a gruesome murder at a cadet, uh, like an army academy. And one of the cadets at the academy that's going to help him with the investigation is Edgar Allan Poe. This guy's Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Weird, weird-eyed guy. Yep. Y- weird-eyed Poe. creepy face. Weird-eyed creepy face young guy. Edgar Allan Poe. Perfect. Him and Christian Bale solving murders. Okay. I'm in. I'll watch it. I'm in. He's like, well, you have it. Yeah, Adam Poe. You go story about a raven over here. Um, Indiana Jones 5 confirming they're bringing a familiar villain on board. That being good old Nazis. Hooray! It's in the 60s. It's going to be space racy, but it's going to be like, you know, the old remnants of the Nazi scientist. And Mads Mikkelsen apparently playing, I, we've mentioned this before, playing one of these scientists, but I think he's working for the Americans. He's well, like he's like the one of the Germans op- that brought Operation over. Operation Paperclip? Right. So, uh, but then there's going to be some other Nazis that are going to need some punching. Also, there's pictures out there um, like uh, like spy photos, sort of, onset spy photos of Harrison Ford's stunt double on a motorcycle and on a World War Two era motorcycle, um, with a Harrison Ford, a full face Harrison Ford mask. Yes. That's creepy. It was very creepy looking. It's very creepy. So that's part of how they're getting around their actor being almost eighty years old. Yep. And then also apparently they're shooting some young indie stuff because these things are happening during World War Two. So fun. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um. New Lord of the Rings movie is coming. It's okay. coming to uh, boy, man. I just don't care anymore. I know, right? It's like, oh my god, there's just so much. This one's about the um, Helm's Deep. Don't care. And it's called the War of Yeah, no, thank you. Um, it's gonna be about the the King of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand. Helm Hammerhand. That's why. That's why I was doing doing some mm-hmm. Helm Hammerhand last night before I went to bed. Help me sleep. The uh, it's gonna be directed by Kenji Kamiyama. Kenji Kamiyama uh, has worked on. Oh well, this is all animated. And Kamiyama has worked on stuff like Akira and some Ghost in the Shell stuff. And uh, apparently, he's the showrunner on the animated Black Blade Runner: Colon Black Lotus animated series that's coming. Okay. It's supposed to be coming this year. It's been in production for a couple of years. Cool. At Warner Brothers Animation. Um, that one is set in um, 2030-something, so it's okay. like halfway between Blade Runner and Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Um, so he's also going to be uh, directing this movie. Fun. And um, Philippa Boyens, who's one of the co-writers of the original trilogy in the Hobbit movies with Peter Jackson uh, and his wife, um, is also working on it as well. Um, boy, Star Wars is Ewan McGregor has a funny anecdote about working with Yoda on Phantom Menace because it was a puppet mm-hmm. in Phantom Menace. Um, this is fascinating and funny. This is Ewan McGregor. I couldn't believe I was acting with Yoda. There's so many people operating him, and the stage is lifted up so they're underneath the floor, and we were literally walking next to each other, and he's alive. Then every time George called cut. Yoda would die because everyone just stops operating him. It was sort of disturbing every time the end of the scene would come along. That would be weird. No. Right? Yeah, your, your co-actor, he's, like, he's fully like moving and talking to you. And then, <laughs> medic. Oh, yeah, puppet. Medic. 
And then he talks about how they replaced them for our second and third film with a digital version and has never felt nearly as endearing. Like, obviously. Yeah. And then they. That's why they made Grogu. They made Grogu and they used the puppet in um, Last Jedi. And it looked amazing. Yeah. And it looked amazing. Um, getting into some streaming stuff, Hugh McGregor confirms that um, his show, you, the Obi Wan show, will directly affect. Mandalorian season three in a very awesome. specific way. In that, there is only one sound stage with the volume, so the Mando crew has to wait. Yeah. The, the The Boba Fett show is done. Obi Wan crew has moved in. Then when they're done, then the Mando crew can move in. So they they ain't bothering to build another set. They're just like we're just gonna roll them out in this order. It's working for us now. So that's gonna that's the order. And then uh, I think they're looking at a twenty twenty two release for for the next Mandalorian Mandalorian season 3 for more Grogu Spe- okay. speaking of Grogu come on man America needs more we need some more of that Grogu stuff don't we um, Cowboy Bebop release date on Netflix the live action version with John Cho was set for this fall and they confirmed that the original composer is doing the music for the three, two, one, let's jam I mean you can't that's such a Integral part of Cowboy Bebop yeah. is the goddamn space jazz. You can't go without the space jazz. Mike Myers has a show coming where he's going to play seven different characters. Of course, because he hates himself and he can't be himself. None of those characters will be him. And it's going to be called The Pentaverit. It's a Netflix series. And uh, also cast Ken Jeong, Keegan Michael Key, Debbie Mazar. And uh, it will be blah, 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 blah. The series also have uh, other people. I don't know these names. Here we go. What if a secret society of five men have been working to influence world events for the greater good since the Black Plague of 1347? Uh, as this new series begins, one unlikely Canadian journalist finds himself embroiled in a mission to uncover the truth and just possibly save the world. Remember, the Pentaverit must never be exposed. So there we go. He's been working on this since 1993. Weird. It's a long-ass time working on something fucking Mike Myers I wonder if he just needs some money probably um Ted TV series coming to Peacock okay alright just why not just why not Seth MacFarlane always gotta do is write some things do some voice work got Peter Griffin as a, as a teddy bear you're off to the right exactly now will Mark Wahlberg be involved in any way man that, I hope that'll, not that'll be interesting to see if he's involved with it at all um MacGruber series okay also coming to Peacock I can see that being... I mean, it's a MacGyver ripoff, so of course. Why not? And they cast some names. And, you know, it gives you an idea of where the show is going. No money in it. They're not taking it seriously at all. They're really not expecting this to succeed. Um, Sam Elliott, Lawrence Fishburne, and the bad guy will be Mickey Rourke. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's a crazy cast for a MacGruber show. MacGruber, come on. Like you said, it's a spoof of another thing that's old. Yeah. MacGruber itself is old. It's like a 20-year-old thing. Yeah. Well, man, we get all these big-ass names. Um, also on the cast, along with, obviously, Will Forte, um, Kristen Wiig, Ryan Felipe, reprising their original roles. Man. That's going to be something. That's coming to Peacock as well. Uh, there's a Vertigo video game. What? Yeah. That's coming. It's weird. Isn't that weird? It's also not based on the story of Vertigo. It's like inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Oh, okay. So it was just going to be some weird psychological bullshit. Yeah, psychological game, but set inside with all the same camera angles yeah. and move those kind of camera tricks and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that was our video game segment of the show. That's it. It's over. Cool. And finally, Drew, the hot gas. Ooh, we got some hot gas. Benifer. Don't care. Is heating up. Yeah, it's heating up. 
J-Lo looking to move to Los Angeles from Miami. Okay. What the fuck? She leaving Miami? Apparently. For Ben Affleck? Uh, Apparently that phoenix is rising again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Good for you, Ben Affleck. Um... So uh, Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde, they broke up recently. They've been married, had some kids, and then they broke up. Uh, Apparently, Jason Sudeikis is very, very sad about it. Of course, because she was a beautiful and talented woman. And uh, obviously, he'd be upset about that, right? But also, the big reason he's upset is because she's with Harry Styles. Oh, he's a youngin. And they met on the set of her movie. That she, the movie that she's making now, that she's directing, cast him in that, and they met on that, and they were probably like, you know, oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, uh, by uh, and they were while she was still with Sadakis, and they More broke likely. up, yeah. So that that, that upsets all Jason Sadakis, according to like inside uh, sources. So um, unfortunately, Jason Sadakis has to run into the arms of his um, British model girlfriend Keely Hazel. Oh, what poor, a shame! Poor thing. Yeah, poor thing. He's just stoned out of his mind. Uh, he's look at his eyes, always stoned, constantly, constantly stoned. Makes me wonder if Olivia Wilde is always high. And uh, also, the, he, George Wentz's nephew. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Never forget. Hashtag never forget. Uh, finally wrapping this baby up. We teased it earlier, but our favorite wannabe cannibal army hammer has checked himself into a rehab with the help of his uh, estranged wife. Nice. Reached out to her. was like, I need help. Can you help me? And she's like, I will do this for you, baby. Uh, got all shit from the Grand Caymans and took him to Orlando, Florida. He's here in town, man. Hey, we should go find him. Maybe he's at that one that's around the corner from here that on the sign outside says it's a retirement facility, but you see the people wandering in the parking lot. Like, ain't none of these people retired. Oh, yeah, they're all junkies. Yeah, that's all. That's a, that's a rehab center. Maybe, maybe he's at that one. Maybe. Maybe he needs to slum it, quote, slum it with the real On the corner of Lee Road and Wymore. To fully understand the plant that he's in. Or else he's what? He's one of these fucking like resort places. Yeah, where yeah, totally. They just give him wheatgrass and he does yoga. Mm-hmm. And they tell him he's a good boy. Yeah, yeah. And he smokes a little bit of weed. He smokes a little bit of weed. He's California sober. He may be in Orlando, but he's California sober for sure. Um, so he checked himself into a rehab treatment program. Hopefully, he gets the help that he needs. And then, meanwhile, Army Hammers, some of his issues may have a bit of a. We, we have a reason for the way he acts. Okay. Okay. Uh, sort of like a, oh, this could be a clue as to why maybe he can't sit with himself more than five minutes without doing DMT or, or having sex with someone. Um, his mother sent a letter to Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair is the one that broke a lot of these articles. Mm-hmm. Here's her. They published her response. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I want you to know I forgive you for writing such a scathing article on my family. I don't understand the position of destroying families in the press. I know it's your job. It's very upsetting that you're writing yet another article about Armour, blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Um, Every family has something, she wrote. But what I know is these Jewish hammer men you tore apart in your article have all come to know Jesus as their Messiah. I believe that is why I was placed in that family. I'm asking for mercy and grace as Jesus gives all of us and asking you to please stop degrading my family. Thank you. May God bless your life. She's a crazy bitch. She's a crazy Christian lady who's like the Jewish hamelmen who have appreciated the Jesus. There's no way they can do the drugs and fornicate and be bad. Why were you tearing down my family with these lies? These lies. I mean, I have a feeling the reason why Army Hammer does all those things is because he's rich, white, and privileged. 
He's a rich white privilege, and he probably had a, 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 his father Armand is very troubled, had a, had his own issues. His mom doesn't sound like a. She's we, very healthy at all. The, 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 get on your knees and pray uh. to the Lord for your forgiveness, young young Armand. And uh, yeah, he's rebelling from all of that, and it's crazy having to. Well, is he Jewish? I was gonna say it's such a waspy upbringing to rebel against, but then he's like a Jewish wasp when you're converted, Jew for Jesus type thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Sort of makes me feel just a little. No, I don't feel bad for just, it at all. Just a nope. Just not an inkling. Just a, just a, a scooch, maybe. No, nope. uh, maybe it's the other article had a good rundown of all the jobs that he lost um, because of all the bad publicity. There was like the shotgun wedding thing that he had with J Lo. There was the the good the Godfather show for Paramount Plus and like three other movies or two movies and a play. He had a Broadway play that he had to stop doing. They had to drop out of. He had a lot of shit going on in the next year but now he's in Orlando so maybe maybe we'll see him in town maybe maybe he can come on the podcast you can come on oh shit guys we gotta reach out to Ar- <laughs> Army Hammer and be like yo while you're in town I know you're in town for a treatment but uh, come over and have some drinks and we'll do a podcast get the people your perspective mm. that's how we're presenting mm-hmm. let's, get, let's get ahead of this thing for once Mr. Hammer uh, Hammer don't hurt him then we'll watch Lone Ranger together we'll tell oh. you it's awesome it's not Okay, we'll watch uh, Social Network, and we'll be I'll like, tell you what's awesome. and we'll yeah. be like, how come we've done anything this good since then, 15 <laughs> years later? And then he'll get into a funk, and be like, oh, I'm sorry, here's some meth. Yeah. It's a, it's a uplift your spirits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. We gotta go. Um, hope you guys uh, have a better time uh, than most. I don't know what that means. Bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.